This is episode 557 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's article, Where Do You Start When Putting Together a Survival Group? Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, this episode is sponsored by the HydroBlue VersaFlow water filter. Now, the VersaFlow is one of the most versatile water filters currently made. Not only can you use it for your own personal water filter needs, but you can use it to create a family-sized water filter. Now, with the possibilities of filtering up to 100,000 gallons, the VersaFlow could filter one gallon of water for each family member for many, many years. So to make it easy for you, I've created a free video and PDF tutorial that shows you how to easily turn the VersaFlow into a family-sized water filter. And right now, you can have the family-sized water filter for under $25. To watch the video, get the free PDF tutorial, and a code for 20% off of the VersaFlow, click the link in the show notes or visit PrepperWebsite.com forward slash VersaFlow. Before we jump to our article of the podcast, yesterday I mentioned an app, a map app that I have on my tablet. And I went ahead to go check it out. And it looks like they've even updated it since then. I don't normally update my tablet. Uh, like I said yesterday, I use it for pretty much for my messages for church. But uh, this one looks like it's been updated. It looks It looks pretty good, actually. So it's called map factor navigator and you can download it it's free there's a free download and you can also purchase extra add-ons i guess if you want to but you don't have to use the add-ons and you can find it for both google uh, or it's in the google play store in the app store the apple app store and also for windows so you can get it many different ways and I, so that's that's good. A lot of the times, you know, there's a good app and it's like it's only for Apple or it's only for Android or whatever. But anyway, this one you can get in, in you know, all the different, I guess, the, the different types of phones. Right. So, again, it's called Map Factor Navigator. I'm going to go ahead and link to it in the show notes or to the download page so that you can jump from there if you're interested in looking into it. And there's just, you know, a lot of cool stuff here. So uh, I'll just leave that at that. All right, so let's go ahead and jump into our article of the podcast. It comes to us from a year without the grocery store.com. And the article is entitled, Where Do You Start When Putting Together a Survival Group? Now, this is one of those topics that everybody wishes that they could really grab a hold of and, you know, put together, you know, make it part of their life and part of their preparedness, especially those that foresee a time when things really start to break down. Because I think people understand the need or understand that you can't go it by yourself, right? The lone wolf thing, that's, there's very few people in the world that can actually make that go and, and, and make that happen, right? Uh, you have to be, you know, a real like, you know, bushcraft, you know, survival, wilderness survival expert. And, you know, you have to have all of that type of knowledge. And then even, even at that, at some point, you're going to get sick. At some point, you're not going to be able to do things. So you need other people. So what other people will say is like, well, it's just me and my family. You know, it's us four, uh, us four, no more, whatever, all that kind of stuff. The problem is that that's not always enough. You know, if you had four people or let's just say 
even five or six people, a family, that's still, you can still be overrun very easily. You can still be taken advantage of, you know, those types of things. And and more than likely, you're going to have, you know, two adult parents and you're going to have, you know, kids and things like that. And you're not always going to have the people that you need with you. I think a lot of people are realizing that if you're really going to make it a go, if you're really going to make this thing, you know, move forward, then you need a big community. You need people coming together with many different skills and redundancies and all that kind of stuff to be able to do all the things that you need. And so this is one of those topics that comes up uh, very often. I, I get emails all the time like, Todd, do you know of a group that I can link up with here in my area of the state or whatever, you know, just whatever uh, state they're, they're emailing from? And there have been websites that try to bring people together. There's forums out there where you can link up with other people. Sometimes they're they're active, other times they're not. Um, you know, there's other you know, there's just things out there for people to do that. But it, it winds up coming down to this thing is like it's very hard to just have you know have people come together. It's like, hey, okay, uh, the only thing we have in common or the thing that really brings us here, uh, you know, together is our idea of we need to be prepared. And then that's kind of where it stops, right? And then everything else, there's so many other things that are out there that you really need to you know, figure out. And, and that's the thing. And so I don't know, I mean, I've heard of a lot of groups that have gotten together, that have come together, and then they have disbanded over time, right? They've disbanded over a couple of years or you know, people lost interest or, you know, the poop didn't hit the fan like everyone thought it was going to. So it's like, hey, everybody went on with their lives. Kids started getting married, this financial issues, whatever it might be. And in order to, you know, when you're talking about that kind of group, everybody needs to be, you know, 100 percent focused. And you don't you don't always have that. You know, when you talk about people, you're talking about lives, you're talking about relationship, you know, life happens. And so, you know, those kinds of things start to break down. So when it comes to really building a group, um, I think that first you should always look into your family, right? And I'm not talking about just a family that lives with you. I'm talking about your extended family. I think that's very important. But then beyond that, I think you really need to look at the people that live very close to you, right? And I think I think a church, I, I think very easily a church could become a group, but then I think really the way that it would happen, that it would just wind up happening just because of default would be communities and neighborhoods would wind up coming together. And I think that if that was the case and it wouldn't happen beforehand, right? It's not like, hey guys, there's going to be an EMP coming at some point or, you know, the poop is going to hit the fan at some point or aliens or zombies or whatever are going to come at some point. And so we need to be prepared. I don't think that it would ever really work out like that, right? I think what would happen is there starts to things start to roll, things start to happen, and you know you have people on the forefront who are starting to see it and start realizing what's going on, and they start rallying people together and start saying, "Hey, you know what? We need to come together for mutual assistance, for protection, for you know, so that we can share skills and knowledge and blah 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 and all that kind of stuff." And I really believe that's that's the way that it would go down. I'm happy that this article is really approaching it from this standpoint. And really, you know, someone in the comments said, I think you're being very basic for your readership here. 
And I completely disagree because I don't think a lot of people think this way. I think most people in preparedness, they think about a prepper group or whatever. They're thinking, you know, you know, at a bug out location, they're thinking, you know, a group that is ready, you know, that has, you know, tons of, of gear and tons of food and all this kind of stuff. I don't think people are really considering that you're looking at your neighborhood and like, hey, my next door neighbors are going to be the people that I depend on. And not because maybe we have so many things in common preparedness related, but we have a thing in common that we live right next to each other. We know each other. We've seen each other, you know, for however long we've lived in this neighborhood. And we realize that the things out there are worse than what they are in here. And we need to be able to protect ourselves, right? And so there's a lot to that. By no means is this episode going to be like, hey, this is the way that you start this, you know, or the way that you create your survival group and keep it going and sustainable and all that kind of stuff. This is more about how you start to lay the framework for this, right? And so I think that's, this is very important and really it is a mind shift that most preppers need to start going through. And maybe you're listening to this type of stuff for the very first time and you're like, okay, hey, Todd makes some sense here. And I hope that you start to, you know, before you get to the whole prepper group type mentality, you start to see, hey, you know what, this is probably the real way that it will go down, or this is the way that it should go down, and I need to be a little bit more purposeful about getting out there and meeting my neighbors and different things like that. So I really do appreciate this article, and you got to let me know what you think uh, in the show notes, right, or in the comment section, not the show notes, in the comment section of episode 557. I make that really easy for you. But before we even get to that, let me go ahead and start reading this article. Again, coming to us from a year without the grocery store.com. Where do you start when putting together a survival group? How do you think of a survival group? Is it something you've considered joining or starting? On one hand, how cool will it be to be part of a group where you had a role and you knew other people were watching you back? Sounds good, doesn't it? So here's a fun comparison. I'm a big fan of sci-fi, and it's reminiscent of the positions on the bridge of one of the Star Trek ships. You have the CO, the XO, the operations officer, the communications officer, the tactical officer, the flight control officer, and others like the medical officer who weren't on the bridge. They all worked together to thwart the bad guys. So, is that how you look at a survival group? It's a group of people all with different jobs. You have a security contingent, a gardener, a husbandry expert, a medic, a leader and tactical expert, a marksman, and others who work together to thwart the Tiatwaki bad guys. And just like I have a bit of different opinion than most on bugging out, I have a differing opinion as to many when it comes to survival groups. So most people think that they'll be living out in the middle of nowhere and their survival group will come to them. I want to dispel that rumor now. According to Selka, who lived through the Balkan War, the way he and his family survived was that they lived in a neighborhood with people around who could help each other. That was one of the main things that saved them. So instead of considering putting together an elite survival group, perhaps you should consider getting to know your neighbors. If we are potentially going to depend on our neighbors, if the SHTF, we need to get to know them. But how should we go about doing that? So what shouldn't you do? Well, let me tell you what not to do. Don't go door to door handing out invitations to a barbecue when these people don't know you from Adam because none of them will come. Uh Uh-huh. Ask me how I know. 
when we moved into our new house almost a year ago, we were determined that we were going to get to know our neighbors and we were going to get involved in their lives. It was a priority for us. So after one to two months of getting to getting into the place and getting our house set up and dealing with all of the other fun things that you deal with when you move, we started trying to get to know our neighbors. When we got home from church on a Sunday afternoon, we went over and introduced ourselves to our neighbors directly across the street from us. We talked for a good 20 minutes before we headed back to our house. Later that night, she friended me on Facebook and sent me a message that she enjoyed our talk. We don't talk really often, especially in the cold months when we hibernate, but that one act of taking time to get to know them when they were outside really worked. This is one of the two families that we've actually had inside of our home. All right, so let me stop here just for a second. I, I know she mentioned you probably don't want to invite neighbors over for, you know, for barbecue or whatever, but there are days when that would probably be appropriate, right? So one of the things that gets advertised, I know that in, in my community, is National Night Out. And that is a big, you know, a big campaign, it's nationwide, that uh, gets people out in their front yards at a certain time you know, in the evening. And I believe it's the second Tuesday of August, right? Right when the kids are getting ready to go back to school and it should be decent weather for everyone in the United States. And you get to go outside in your in your front yard. And the idea is that you meet your neighbors. And you also, there are uh, opportunities where, you know, uh, maybe first responders come and, and police officers come. And just depending on how much your your community would you know does it up right and and how much in i guess how much advertising they do like in the front of the neighborhoods and different things like that so that would be a time where maybe you go out and you meet some of your neighbors and maybe i don't know maybe you do some hot dogs if people maybe you check it out one year right and you like you go out in your neighborhood and if there's really people out and they're milling around and they're talking and stuff like that and maybe next year you do some hot dogs as people are coming by like hey would you like a hot dog and or whatever you know maybe some popcorn i mean i don't know you know you just make it to where you're able to have a point of contact and maybe it's not even anything like that right maybe it's not food or whatever maybe it's just you're out there and you get to meet each other and and you do different things like that so there are opportunities where that comes about and we'll talk a little bit more as we go as we get further into this article but that would be an appropriate time but I think just going over and meeting your neighbors, I think that's that's important, right? That is how we meet a lot of our neighbors, where we see them outside or we just start talking and it just kind of you know goes from there, right? So I, I think a lot of great information. So let's talk about what you can do. One of the suggestions is walk a dog. Now, I guarantee you that if you are out walking a dog, your neighbors will get to know you by sight. When you're out and you see someone, wave. That one simple act will open up doors for you to get to know your neighbors in the future. Number two, send your kids outside to play. Your kids can really be a great tool in building bridges with others in your neighborhood, whether they have kids or not. One of my neighbors commented on how she loved seeing my kids outside playing. My children are also the reason that we were able to reach out to another family and have them over for dinner. I think that's important. I know like in growing up, 
that was one of the ways that my parents met other people as well because we would bring friends over and like hey can you know whatever i don't know little johnny can little johnny come you know jump on the trampoline or can we watch a movie or whatever and then of course you know parents who care about their kids are gonna you know be concerned and they're like hey you know we want to meet each other and because you know my kid is over at your house and your kid is over at my house and different things like that right that's responsible and that builds that bridge so that makes a lot of sense right there when you're out there or when the kids are out there and then if you're out there watching them as well it just makes sense that you will talk with parents right maybe you have a, a neighborhood part and you're there and you're talking with parents as kids are playing that's an easy way to build bridges and build relationships next thing is spend time outside in your yard or on your front porch if people see you outside regularly they will be much more likely to stop and talk the more people see you the more likely they will be to engage you we have a couple that sits on the front porch many evenings during good weather they just sit there and talk but we've gotten to know them by sight and had a chance to engage them in some really good conversation just because they were willing to sit outside and talk with each other. I, another good point as well. You know, basically what you're doing here is you're making opportunities. You're just, you know, you're, you're seeing an opportunity and you're taking that opportunity to connect. What's the worst that can happen is just that someone doesn't want to talk with you, right? It's like, you know, the grumpy old man or a grumpy old woman or whatever, or, you know, they just don't want to talk. They just don't, they just don't have that thing on the inside of them. Maybe they're, you know, they're very like, hey, I just want to uh, secluded. I want to live this very secluded life, you know, and, and I'm good right here. Uh, but most people aren't like that. Most people want to know their neighbors, right? And, and get to know. So you have these opportunities that come about. I know a lot of the times, just being out in the front yard, you know, doing doing whatever, just pulling weeds or, you know, clipping the, the hedges or, you know, doing whatever it is that, you know, raking leaves and seeing neighbors, you know, I talk with the, the neighbor that's across the street all the time. He is in his yard all the time. He's one of those that, you know, I guess he's retired, but he's still like really young enough to be in the yard milling around all the time. And his yard looks perfect. You know, one of those yards, right? And uh, so he's always out there. He knows everybody. He talks to everybody and he knows how important it is to get to know everyone. And so, you know, he's always out there. His garage door is always open. You know, he's always tinkering with his trailer or with his truck or just recently he bought, you know, a classic car. And so that's like his new little project. And, uh, you know, he, he, you know, when, when he had it out and everything, everybody came around like, wow, this is great. You know, look at this. And I can't remember what kind of car it is, but you know, everybody came around because he is one of those people that, you know, just, he's friendly with everyone and everyone came to see, you know, what was going on. And so that's how this kind of thing starts rolling. You start to get to know everyone. Next up, or the next possibility is to pass out cookies regularly. Now, this is something that our church is starting to do in our church neighborhood. We want to get to know the people around the church and to bless them. And what better way to break the ice but with homemade cookies? Of all the homes that the people from our church visited when they handed out cookies last time, only one out of about 30 homes refused the cookies. In two of the homes, the people really wanted to talk. They needed just a little bit of attention. But in order to be effective in doing this, you need to make sure you do it regularly. You might get known as the crazy cookie lady, but hey, they not only know you, they will be willing to engage with you. 
and really cookies. I mean, come on, you know, that that's one of those great things. And, you know, and we're, li we're living in a day and age where you have to be careful. You know, you have to put a little bit of judgment into the fact of, hey, these cookies that I'm grabbing, you know, from someone, you know, what could be in them and all that kind of stuff. But again, if you are starting to build that relationship and build that bridge, that would be something perfect. I mean, most people love cookies, right? Unless, you know, you're, you're gluten intolerant or, you know, you're just like on a diet and like, no, don't bring those in the house. Most people would like that. And so I think that's a great ministry to be able to do that and to be able to reach out into the neighborhood. But I think that would be good as well to be able to do that in your neighborhood when people are or, you know, moving in, maybe possibly uh, when people are you know just out and about. And I know my next door neighbor, she loves to make banana nut bread and she brings it over all the time. Like, hey, Todd, I made, you know, I made you a loaf of banana nut bread. And it's always great to have that. You know, I'm like, you don't need to do that. But thank you. Thank you so much. You know, and that's one of those just those friendly things that that people do. And, you know, there you go. And if you think about it, that's like one of those things that used to happen back in the day. And when you do something like that, people remember back in the day when people were friendly, when people were neighborly, when people, you know, cared about each other and they knew each other and they knew their kids and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, that would be a great, you know, icebreaker possibly, maybe, uh, you know, something a little bit uh, later on down the road. I don't know. If you've tried that, let me know that one. And the last one is just be friendly. The Bible says in Proverbs 18:24, a man who has friends must show himself friendly. If you really want to get to know the people around you, you need to go out of your way to actually be friendly. Smile and wave as people walk or drive by when you're outside. Drink your Saturday morning coffee outside in your front porch and invite passerbys to join you. We were just given a small wrought iron table and chair set and we purchased another set that we put on our front porch. When it finally starts to warm up, we're going to take a large carafe of coffee out to the front porch with us along with some coffee cake and invite those walking by to stop and enjoy some coffee with us. We really are serious about getting to know our neighbors better this year. So what about you? Do you feel the need to get to know your neighbors? Do you have any other tips or tricks to opening up the door to get more familiar with your neighbors? Please share them with us below in the comment section. All right. And so, you know, somebody in the comment section is like, I can't believe you moved into your house without knowing your neighbors. Right. And so there's a little bit of research that you should always do. I mean, I always suggest to people when you are moving into an area, go visit it during the day, go visit it at night. See if there's any differences. I know that when my son got married, that was one of the things that that I suggested is the apartment complexes that you're moving into. Go look at it during the day, then go look at it at night and see if things start to change, if if the environment changes in the evening time. There are some things that you can do, but not everybody can do that, right? And so when people, you got to take what people say in comments sometimes, you just got to take it with a grain of salt. You know, there's people that can do that, can spend a lot of time researching and, and, and doing all of that. Sometimes people have to move for emergency sakes or move in a very, uh, you know, quick way and they just move into uh, to a neighborhood. And so, you know, you, you got to take that with a grain of salt. So sometimes you can do a lot of research and look into everything that's going on, but there's no way that you can really come in and 
I'm like, really, I mean, what are you going to do? Pull into a neighborhood and say, hey, we're thinking about buying that house or renting that house. And we'd like to get to know you. Are you crazy? Are you weird? You know, do you do any weird stuff? I mean, you're not really going to see that. So uh, completely, you can do a little bit of research, you know, if you really want to go that route. But to to know everything perfectly, no, you're not going to be able to do that. So I, I it's very important, though, I think that we do get to know our neighbors you know, one of the things that uh, always happens, at least I've noticed that, is like during you know big things that have happened, like when we had hurricanes here and flooding here, everybody comes out and you know all the garage doors go, especially when you know the electricity is off. All the garage doors go open. Everybody is outside, and that is a great time to be able to talk and to be able to meet people. I know that I was able to meet a lot of people during Hurricane Ike because of that, because people were outside and there was a lot of crazy things going on as well. People stealing generators and and things like that. Also before uh, a storm would be a good time, right? So like if you had a hurricane or whatever coming and you, you know, big storm, whatever it might be, that might be a good time to just go check on people. Like, Hey, you know, uh, especially if you have kids that could help. Like, Hey, we are, you know, we're preparing for the hurricane. Is there, do you need any help moving furniture in your backyard or anything like that? I know that I've talked about that before. We had an elderly neighbor that lived next door to us who during, I think it was Hurricane Ike, you know, we went to go check on her and she was, she, I, I think she was actually leaving. She was going to go stay with her son. But, you know, we asked her, you know, hey, are all the things in your backyard, are they taken care of? And uh, she goes, oh, I think they'll be fine. Well, we went out there and she had like cement squirrels, I, I guess, you know, uh, there weren't ceramic. They're were like cement squirrels. And they were sitting on her deck and on the railing of her deck. And those things easily could have just flown, you know, the wind could have picked them up and gone gone through our window, gone through, you know, uh, you know, the brick. I I, I don't know. I mean, they were pretty, pretty heavy. Uh, But with hurricane force winds, you can get that kind of craziness. I mean, she lost a big tree in her front yard and luckily it didn't fall towards us. It fell out to, to the road. But that's possible for happening, right? That's how strong the winds were. And so, you know, there might be people out there that need help. She couldn't have done that. You know, there's no way that she could have moved all these things. She was just very elderly. And uh, we were able to help her get these things secured in her, uh, you know, in, in her home so that if, you know, the hurricanes came, the, the winds came, it wouldn't take those and make those things something that could hurt someone or other property damage. So you have those opportunities as well if you know some elderly people around like hey do you need do you have any extra water do you have you know whatever do you need anything preparing for the storm and you might be able to help in that way and get to know people in that way guys it boils down to getting to know your neighbor and taking a little bit of time to do that and it doesn't have to be weird preparedness stuff right the zombies are coming so let's let's build this mutual assistance group here it's like hey let's just get to know each other because again like i said at the very beginning of this podcast episode, I believe that if the poop ever hit the fan, that that's really where it's going to come. I mean, there's people that have groups. There's people that are going to bug out. There's people that are going to be at their bug out locations. But for the majority of people that don't have that, that can't afford that, they're going to be in their communities and they got to make the best of what they have with their communities. And so, you know, a lot of that is going to be dependent on those that know like, hey, maybe you need to rally. You need to be prepared to rally everyone to, you know, protect the neighborhood, to to come together. And I think that's 
that's going to be one of those big things that we can do. And I, I think, again, like I said, you're going to have those early adopters that are like, hey, we see what you're talking about. Let's go ahead and do that. And then you move from there. And I think as people begin to understand, you know, you're going to have a lot of normalcy bias. You're going to have a lot of people like, no, the government is coming. Just hold tight. I'm like, no, the government is not coming. Just look at all the other times when they haven't come. And, and you're going to have all that. You know, if it is truly a big you know, a big situation, you know, maybe nationwide, global, whatever you want to, you want to say, because again, during Harvey, we did have a lot of people come through the neighborhood and sometimes almost too many people because people were kicking up water into homes because they were driving through the neighborhood in big, big trucks and, and different things like that. So if it's isolated, no, you're people will come to help. But if it is something big and major, no, you know, you're going to have to rally your community so that way y'all can all benefit from each other's expertise and protection and defense and all the other things that go into play there. So uh, a lot to think about there. Guys, I'm going to have something else for you on along these lines for uh, at the end of this week for the Friday podcast and uh, an interview that I think you're going to enjoy that I can't believe I have not shared already. I recorded it earlier and, uh, you know, it was a video that I recorded and I can't believe that I did not share that on the podcast. Uh, it's just, I, I don't know what happened there. But anyway, you're going to, this this article has actually reminded me of that. And so I'm going to share that on Friday. So I hope you look forward to that. Well, everyone, that's it for episode 557. Hey, don't forget, like always, I'm going to link to this article from a year without the grocery store.com. And the, again, the article is entitled, Where Do You Start When Putting Together a Survival Group? I'm going to link to that in the show notes. And so you can go and read that for yourself. And maybe if you need to just take a little bit of time to ponder that and, and think about it, uh, it'll be there for you. Now, if you are listening to this podcast and you are not subscribed, hey, make sure that you take a moment to subscribe and that way you never miss another episode. We want to make sure that you get all the preparedness goodness that you are looking for. And don't forget to connect with me. I have a ton of ways to connect in the show notes. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.